Less than 24 hours after yesterday's crazy day of baseball, we have another entertaining slate of games and also a Hollywood story. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. baseball fans and welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. There you go. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for, God, it's going to be coming up on 12 years pretty soon. And I've been here at the Lockdown Podcast Network for the last five seasons. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Simon Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Um, and also, just want to let you know that this episode of Lockdown MLB is brought to you by eBay Motors, a championship team. It's about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You know, yesterday was a, was a historic day in terms of the number of huge offensive games we had. 11-10, 11-10, 16-13. 11-10, and the great thing about baseball is the slate of games started up the next morning. And there were some exciting things that happened. There were some thrilling games that took place, and I, I, I am going to emphasize in this first segment the heartwarming story that took place in Texas and why this is what baseball should be focusing on. This is how you get new fans. Uh, first of all, I want to address something on the previous trivia question. I think I screwed something up. I was saying the only person who won the Cy Young Award and the World Series MVP the same season and only one was not a Hall of Famer. And I got that wrong uh, because there were there were a couple of Hall of Famers like Randy Johnson and Sandy Koufax. But there were two who were non-Hall of Famers who won the Cy Young Award and the World Series MVP uh, in the same year. And uh, when I started getting conflicting, you know, some people guessed one, other people guessed another. And... Uh, I realized I made a mistake. Um, and so I believe it was Kyle King pointed out one and um, and the two did, did it. Actually, they did it during the 80s. You would have thought I would remember. And they both threw complete game victories to clinch the World Series. <clears throat> Brett Saberhagen was the one I remembered, uh, was a the American League Cy Young Award winner in 1985 and threw the complete game shutout to clinch the 85 World Series and was the World Series MVP that year. He later won a second Cy Young Award, um, but injuries prevented him from being a Hall of Famer. Uh, but the one I forgot about, because maybe he's just so famous, part of me thinks he's in the Hall of Fame, is Oral Hershiser, who won the Cy Young Award, arguably could have won the MVP Award in 1988, and of course threw the complete game victory to shut down the A's. So uh, I messed up on that one, so I'm, I'm, I'm double-checked. Today's trivia question goes on today. I've been asked many, many times by people, um, how can baseball get new fans? And if you are not a baseball fan, 
how do you go about follow? How would you go about getting you know involved in the in the sport? And I, I've always taken the same answer. I, I've I've never uh, been someone saying you need to follow this stat, you need to follow this narrative of this team, you need to to look at this highlight or try to get this thing, this uh, this metric to follow. My answer is always find something to get emotionally attached to. Find a story to get your talents into it and find some emotion. And then you can get into baseball. Because I, think about when you watch a sports movie, for example, and there's a compelling story. It's the game at the end of any sports movie is the culmination of being involved with the participants, right? If you think of Rocky, Rocky is arguably the greatest sports movie of all time. And if you just saw the fight at the end, you would be like, oh, okay, that was quite a fight. But you saw the buildup and meeting Adrian, the pet store, running up the museum steps, all that. You get emotionally invested. I mean, whatever, whatever sports movie you like, Chariots of Fire, Hoosiers, uh, you know, Miracle. Uh, what are some other great ones? Um, you know, Breaking Away is a great one. Um, Sugar is a great one. Some people love Major League. Some people, you know, I happen to like a league of their own. You know, people who hate football love Friday Night Lights, both the movie and the television show. Think about all the people who are in love with Ted Lasso. Are they in love with the show because they're into soccer strategy? No, they're into the story. They're into getting invested behind the characters. I've made this point before, but it's why people watch the Olympics. Are they suddenly into curling? Are they suddenly into people jumping over hurdles? Or do you get emotionally invested in the people and you want them to win this crazy sport? And so baseball... What they need to do, and this happens from time to time, and they're great moments, and, and little tears fall, flow down your, your face when they happen. When there's a story of someone who's been waiting so long to get to the majors, and they finally do it. Or they show some strength coming back from a disease, coming back from some strife. Today, there was a game between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays. And it was a game of consequence. And we're going to talk about the consequence part of it in this segment as well. The game was, uh, it was a one nothing Texas lead. The Rangers were trying to sweep Tampa Bay and hold on, you know, expand their lead, or at least hold on to their lead in the American League West. With a runner on, manager Bruce Bochy brought in Alex Spees. Who is Alex Spees? I'll tell you who Alex Spees is. Alex Spees is a person making his big league debut. He's not, this is not a situation like the rookie where he was well into his 30s. He's 25 years old and pitched very, very well in both double A Frisco and triple A Round Rock. He combined for 59 strikeouts and 36 innings and an ERA of one, one freaking one. And virtually every team could use some relief help. And so in comes Speaks. Spees got a strikeout and it turned into a strike him out, throw him out, double play at a key part of the game. And eventually, uh, Texas went on to win the game five to one against Tampa Bay. 
But this is what made it interesting. Spees was a draft pick of the uh, Texas Rangers from Georgia. Second round pick out of high school. And he didn't pitch particularly well. He's one by one. My favorite baseball movie of all time is Bull Durham. And Bull Durham is basically the story of baseball lifers and a lot of people who are never going to make it to the majors. And at age 18, 19, oh, he played in, for Spokane in 2017. I saw a game in Spokane in 2017. I wonder if I saw him pitch. Did not pitch particularly well. Pitched to an ERA of over six in 2018. But in, 20, in 2018, he started to pitch better. But then injuries caught up with him in 2019. There were no minor leagues in 2020, the COVID year. 2021, he got to double A, but it was a disaster. His ERA was over 11. And he stepped away from the game. He stepped away from the game for himself. He stepped away from the game to give himself some space and to clear his head and to maybe take stock of things. A guy I went to high school, I remember, was drafted and played in the Kansas City Royals organization, but, you know, played only one year and got overwhelmed and left and that was that. Maybe this would have been the case with Alex Spees. You know what he was doing last year? He was coaching Little League. He was a Little League coach. And now those kids who were his Little League team could turn on the TV and see him be brought into a high leverage situation in a pennant race in the major leagues. Coaching Little League in 2022, pitching in a pennant race. And because he's pitching now, if the Rangers win the division, he would be eligible to be put on the postseason roster. And that's a wonderful story. Sometimes you have to take that moment for yourself. This is a wonderful life lesson for everybody. He took care of himself. He took one step back to do 5,000 steps forward. And I love stories like this. You can't help but look at that. Whether you're rooting for Tampa or not, whether you're a Houston fan or not, this is a human story. And it's the human stories that are going to grow the game. And if I didn't stop and talk about that for a moment, well, then that would have been just too bad. Well, the game itself, uh, Gray was pitching for Texas, and he had to leave the game um, and because of an injury. Now, I hope it's not a serious injury. He was back in the dugout by the end of the day. But he was pitching wonderfully, four and a third innings uh, of shutout ball. Spees, by the way, did not get the win, but he got the hold. I think that's great. He's got a hold. One and two-thirds innings, three strikeouts, no walks. That's a pretty good start for him. Uh, and the Rangers got a you know, very – Jonah Heim got a big home run. He drove in three runs, and the Rangers wound up winning the game. And that was – you know, it's a big moment for the Rangers. You know, they, they have a six-game winning streak. And they've given themselves a little bit of wiggle room against the defending World Series champion Houston Astros in that AL West. And now they are just two games back in the loss column of having the best record in the American League. A few assumptions that we've had in the American League have come to be in question in the events over the last couple of days. Partly, thanks to Mr. Spees and the Texas Rangers, but also because the Tampa Bay slipping has coincided with a rampage by Baltimore, and suddenly the top 
of the American League and the very momentum of the league itself may now be in question. Hey, let's talk about some of our friends at eBay Motors, shall we? Look at for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the right fit. Like Spees with the Texas Rangers. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available for U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. You know, for um, whoops, didn't mean to didn't mean to do that. Um, for most of this year, there has been a almost a foregone conclusion that the Tampa Bay Rays are the best team in the American League. They started the season thirteen and zero, and when you do that and you give yourself a nice big healthy lead right up front, you know, you you put together a team that you think, okay, this is they're, they're at least going to be the division winners, and they've played ninety nine games at this point. Tomorrow will be game 100, and they are 60 and 39, which is an, you know, that's an excellent record, right? I mean, yet it's still playing, there's playing 600 ball. As of this point, they're playing uh, 606 ball, and this is including their recent four game losing streak and getting swept by the Texas Rangers. But things have not looked good in Tropicana Field. Remember how they went stumbling and bumbling and rumbling and grumbling into the all-star break? And it was only a come-from-behind victory and the last day before the break that kept them from stumbling in with something like a seven- or eight-game losing streak? Well, now couple that with a four-game losing streak. They they have played 14 games in July, and they've lost 11 of them. That's not good. Do you know who's done better than that? Every team in the American League. Only one team in baseball has been worse. That's been the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, remember, it seemed like an hour ago they were in first place by themselves. They were in first place by themselves in June. And here we are. It's mid-July, and they're in dead last place thinking about selling. That's a bad, bad month. But I digress. The Tampa Bay Rays are still in first place in the American League East, but here's the deal. They've got company. They are tied with the Baltimore Orioles, who dusted themselves off from the uh, loss to Los Angeles the other day. And now the Orioles are playing 6-11 baseball and are in a virtual tie with Tampa Bay. By that, I mean the Rays at this point have played four more games than Baltimore. I think it's because of rainouts and things like that. There are fewer rainouts in Tampa Bay. They've got a roof. I think most people would prefer Camden Yards to Tropicana Field, but I digress. Now, the fact of the matter is this. The Orioles are actually ahead of Tampa Bay when it comes to the loss column. 
the Orioles have fewer losses. They play four fewer games, so the Rays have two extra wins, but two extra losses as well. And the Baltimore Orioles have been playing at an unbelievable clip, beating up people left and right, and playing with a confidence that, quite frankly, uh, I didn't see coming. Now, I've made the point that I do, and I say this with no sense of irony, I do think that the Orioles, it would behoove them to go into the Otani showcase. And I'm going to talk about a little bit about the price of renting a superstar in a second because I think it's a risk we're talking about. But the Rays, who look like were the class of the American League, suddenly are going to look up and they say, not just Baltimore, but Texas. Lest we forget Texas, who just swept the Rays, so I think they can play with them, on the middle of a six-game winning streak. And what did I say about six-game winning streaks? When's the wrong time to have them? There is no wrong time to have a winning streak like that. And all the right buttons are being pushed. No DeGrom, no problem. Now, they, like every team, they could probably you know spruce up their, their pitching a little bit here and a little bit there. But the Rangers are showing that they're not a paper champion. They are filled with some depth. And they have a Hall of Fame manager who would love to add his name alongside Tony La Russa and Sparky Anderson as the only people to have managed a World Series champion for both the American and National League and do that before they do complete realignment and suddenly that stat will mean absolutely nothing pretty soon because there won't be an American League or National League and that's the case and that's the case. But the Rays, who for most of this year have been in, in the proverbial catbird seat. Because remember, they were 23-6 and six at the end of April. Then they had a 17-12 and 12 May and a 17-10 and 10 June. They got off that amazing start and kept piling up winning seasons. As if you're not going to catch us, we're still winning. Suddenly, pfft, they lose 11 out of 14 games in July, and their pitching staff is decimated. I'm not going to tell the Rays what to do, but I'm about to. The Rays' window of opportunity is, I don't know, more or less right now. For a team like Tampa, you're not going to always have windows of opportunity where you're a championship-caliber team. And they have had their faces smacked with injuries. And they've, you know, looking for the most part, until July, they've responded pretty well. But if I were the Rays' general manager, and I'm not, I wanted to spill that rumor. I would just be talking nonstop to the Chicago White Sox and the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis, I want him. Flaherty, I want him. You know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Cease, I want him. Give him, give him now. You know, uh, I mean, just go down the line. Um, I mean, it's you. Who's who's the other pitcher for? Say why am I why am I blanking on everyone's name right now? Um, but like every, any and all pitchers, because that's essentially what St. Louis, uh, what the uh, Tampa Bay Rays need. You know, Jordan Montgomery. There's another one. Jordan Montgomery. Just just get him on the phone. Get him on the phone. Get him over here right now. You know, I mean, it. it t- call up, call up Washington, and you know, I mean, is Patrick Corbin still a great player? No, but he's a human being who could pitch and actually has not pitched that badly recently. You know, 
Trevor Williams. Is he a great pitcher? No, but he's a living human being, and Tampa has a way of resurrecting some of these players. And if you have an excellent prospect, you might kind of sort of deal with them right now because the difference between having a run where they had a 100-win team a few years ago, they went to the World Series a few years before that, they're a legitimate pennant contender this year. This window of opportunity isn't open forever. Just ask Washington. Just ask Kansas City. This is the time to strike, which is the same reason I brought this up with Baltimore. You know, the the Rays just have to acquire any major league pitcher they can and throw it in the mix like the Swedish chef on the Muppet Show. But there is a price to renting a superstar like Otani, which is one that I think would be worth it for the Baltimore Orioles. And yes, I hope you're keeping in mind we are fulfilling our obligation to talk about Shohei Otani every single episode. And we're going to do it again because, quite frankly, it is behoovent. It would behoove something hooving the Baltimore Orioles to get a hold of Otani now. There are examples of superstars who played one year with a team and they won the whole kit and also the caboodle and then they leave. And the fan bases who's had that player seem perfectly fine with it. I call it Kawhi Leonard syndrome. Wasn't that the guy who went to the Toronto Raptors? Either way, Jack Morris, is he in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know about that. Certainly had a nice career. Played one year with the Twins, won the World Series MVP, and scrammed. But the Twins got a World Series championship out of there. You know, he went to the Toronto Blue Jays. And that year, the Toronto Blue Jays acquired Dave Winfield, who played his only year in Toronto. Blue Jays won the World Series that year. He scrammed, ironically, to Minnesota. But both of those fan bases got that championship. You know, the Yvonne Rodriguez, Hall of Famer, Pudge, signed with the Marlins in 2003. They won the World Series that year. He was a Tiger by the time the parade was done. But the Marlins got a championship out of it. What do you think Baltimore fans would say if Otani is the difference between winning a championship, something that hasn't happened in Baltimore since Ronald Reagan was the president? They haven't been in the World Series since Return of the Jedi came out. That's right. Back when Return of the Jedi was the bad Star Wars film. I made this point before, but the last time the Orioles won the World Series, there was one Indiana Jones movie, and it was called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay? It's been a while. It has been a while. Your pal Sully was 11. I'm currently 51. So for Orioles fans who have been clamoring for a pennant, and for baseball fans who have seen many, many great games at Camden Yards, but never a World Series game. There's never been a World Series played at Camden Yards. Never. And Camden Yards is no longer a new ballpark. I got news for you. It's a 30-year-old ballpark at this point. And they've spent money. They've had superstars and all this other stuff. 
if they have Otani and Otani pulls a Jack Morris and they win the World Series and off he goes somewhere else, first of all, wouldn't that be a great thing for the the, the Rutschmans and the Hendersons and all that to get the to get the experience of a, a great October run? There have been examples of players who've been brought in mid mid season in the middle of it who become a huge part in winning a championship. I remember Mike Torres was acquired by the Yankees in uh, after the 1977 season began. He threw two complete victories in the World Series in 77, including the clinching pitch, and then left. Only time there. Jeff Weaver was acquired by the Cardinals uh, at the middle of the 2006 season. He won the clinching game of the World Series. Dave Roberts and the Red Sox. You think he's loved there? There are lots of instances of acquiring a player midway through and then, you know, that's it. Goodbye, toodaloo, get a cab. But the championship they helped deliver was well worth the effort. And to light a fire under the Baltimore franchise and maybe show Shohei, hey, you probably would like playing in Baltimore. Sports crazy town. It's not all like the wire. But, you know, it, it, if it costs them Jackson Holiday to clinch a World Series, yeah, it's worth it. Now, of course, there's the other side of it. And it's sometimes you, you, know, you push your chips in the center of the table and you make a big move that makes sense at the time and backfires. When the Tigers acquired Doyle Alexander in 1987, Doyle Alexander was a huge success. He started 11 games for the Tigers, and they won all 11. He got the decision in nine of them. And they won the division on the final day of the season against the Toronto Blue Jays, who on paper were the better team. There's no way they would have sniffed the division title in 1987 if they didn't acquire Doyle Alexander. And they look, and they were facing what looked like to be a far inferior Minnesota Twins team. It, there was a complete diamond commuter lane heading to the World Series of which they would have played either an injured St. Louis Cardinal team or an overachieving and taking advantage of Pete Rose managing the Reds San Francisco Giant team. Instead, they wound up going to the Homer Dome, and the Twins won those first two games and wound up winning the pennant. And the player they traded to get to Alexander was John Smoltz. And so because of that, that trade is always listed as one of the worst trades in the history of baseball. But a bounce here, a bounce there, if the Tigers wound up winning the 1987 World Series, even if it cost them John Smoltz, would have been worth it. You, you know, the Houston Astros traded away a bunch of players going for it in 1998 by acquiring Randy Johnson. Yeah, it cost them people like Freddie Garcia and Carlos Guillen. People went out to have wonderful careers. But Randy Johnson was phenomenal down the stretch. The Astros were a 100-win team, and they went into the postseason. Johnson lost the two games, and there we go. And that's always listed as a terrible trade. Heck, the trade when the, how the, the Mariners got Randy Johnson in the first place. The Montreal Expos were taking a shot to pick up the single best pitcher available in baseball right then, which was Mark Langston. And that was a gutsy move. If it had worked, 
even if it cost him Randy Johnson, if he had worked and given the Expos a championship, do we still have a team in Montreal? I don't know. You roll the dice. Sometimes it works out beautifully. Sometimes you get Frank Costanza saying, why the hell did you trade Jay Buhner? But there's not a lot of instances where you have a Shohei Otani. In fact, you've never had that instance. By the way, I want to uh, answer a quick question from one of my listeners, which is uh, FL Beach at uh, Shirley uh, Ujess, S-C-H-E-R-L-Y Ujess uh, on Twitter. Uh, apparently, there's a video of a game being played between, uh, it looks like, Tampa Bay and Kansas City, I guess a week or so ago, where a, a fan leaned over the left center field uh, fence to catch a home run and they're all jumping up and down we caught a home run but she reached over the line and um therefore that's fan interference and the family was ejected from the ball game and what and the question was uh um i'd love to hear your thoughts on general fans being ejected for games for me and for getting carried away in interfering with the ball in play i don't think i've ever covered this in the podcast i, I i'm gonna be very quick yes eject the players for interfering with the ball in play. I don't care how cute the family is. And here's the deal. What they have to do is if you are in that first row, if you can interfere with the ball in play, they have to do the whole, you know, airline flight attendant, the the exits are this way, the exits are that way, you know, put your oxygen mask on thing. They have to come up to everyone. If you're going to sit in that row, you need to say, I understand if a ball is in play, I cannot touch it. I cannot interfere with a ball in play. If I do, I will get ejected. Because we didn't go to a baseball game to see how well a fan can interfere with a game. And believe me, if it was the other way around, if, was, if the home team was affected by it, there would be no issue. With it. You, if you're going to be sitting where you can affect the game, you got to know that. They have to inform you. Know, their, their ignorance cannot be an excuse. So it may seem harsh, but she interfered with a ball in play. That's a no-no. I don't, you know, if it was like a five-year-old kid who does it, nah, screw it. Throw him in the throw him in jail. Life's tough. Hey, um, let's do today's trivia question here. Um we brought up uh, uh, the Rays. Uh, by the way, I just I, I, I will I will acknowledge this. I, I cannot believe the Red Sox uh, dropped two out of three to the freaking Oakland A's. Um, but you know it's going to happen. The Red Sox have have won ten out of fourteen games this month. They're bound to have a dumb loss here or there. And as I'm recording this, the Yankees are losing six nothing to the Angels. So that would be quite a feat to drop two out of three to the A's and still pick up a game on the Yankees. That's a bad weekend for New York. Um, we talked a bit about the Rays uh, and their, I guess, uh, sibling in expansion were the Arizona Diamondbacks. They both came into the league at the same time at the last expansion we ever had. No Rays or Diamondbacks player has ever won the most valuable player. Okay. Other than the Rays of the Diamondbacks, what is the third franchise to have never had a player win the MVP? 
The Rays and D-backs have been around since 98. No MVPs there. I had to double check. Not Luis Gonzalez? Nope. Not Evan Longoria? Nope. Okay. No Rays or D-backs player has ever won the MVP. What other franchise has never had a player win the MVP? I know for sure that's correct, so we're not going to have any mess-ups right there. Uh, so follow us at Lockdown MLB uh, Pods on uh, Lockdown MLB Pod on Twitter. As long as we still have Twitter, Instagram's still going to hang around. Am I supposed to join Threads? I don't know. Follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about the Alex P's heartwarming story. Do you know Disney's bought the rights already? And how the Rays, Orioles, and Rangers are suddenly making the American League a lot more interesting. And remember, don't interfere with a ball in play. Or you're going to have to pull a Shawshank Redemption to get out. That's under Commissioner Sully. This is Locked On MLB for the 19th day of July, 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.